Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. During this unprecedented period impacting us all, we are creating and sharing some extra episodes that we hope you find available, either particularly timely or relevant or that allow for some distraction. This episode is part of our Heroku in the Wild series and we hope that you enjoy it. Welcome to Codish. This is Greg Noakes, uh, Master Technical Architect with Salesforce. Um, I've been with Salesforce for about nine years, uh, working on Heroku the entire time, focused on customer-facing architecture, helping folks uh, use the platform. So I'm always super interested to talk to people about how they're using Heroku and the platform in general. Today, we have Garrett Thornburg and Brett Allred uh, from MX Technologies. We're going to talk about what they're doing on the platform. So Garrett and Brett, uh, could you introduce yourselves, please? My name is Garrett Thornburg. I'm a team lead on the engineering team at MX. And I'm Brett Allred, uh, Chief Product Officer uh, at MX. So tell me a little bit about MX Technologies and what sort of problems you guys are addressing in the marketplace. Yeah, sure. So uh, MX Technologies is a Utah-based company. Uh, We primarily have served financial institutions. So we've been around for about 10 years and we got uh, into the market building uh, tools for banks. Uh, So we build software that helps financial institutions uh, ultimately with a mission to empower the world to be financially strong. Uh, So even pre-COVID and everything that's happened as a result economically, we've We've spent the last uh, 10 years as a company trying to find ways uh, to help individuals strengthen their finances, to become uh, financially stronger, to manage their money. But the approach that we've done is by building software uh, for banks and for credit unions, and then the banks and the credit unions then offer those tools to their members. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so, of course, the the topic on top of mind is kind of COVID and how that's changed the banking um, and the the credit uh, markets. What was your guys' response and, and how did you help out with that? As COVID happened, as unemployment rates started uh, going up and we were looking at what the, what the Fed was doing with interest rates and they, they acted very quickly to take them you know, down to zero and we were looking at what the economic impact of this situation was going to be, the, the government came out and said, look, we, we really want to try to keep people employed and we know that as businesses get shut down because of this, uh, this virus and this situation, we want to do something to help uh, those businesses retain their employees. We want to have uh, you know, somewhat of a safety net for these small business owners because they're really the backbone of the economy. And so they decided to do this uh, paycheck protection program with the idea that they want to protect paychecks. And so as we got into the situation, we started hearing about the rollout of this paycheck protection program from the financial institutions that we work with. And because of the popularity of the program, banks and credit unions, were they're they getting inundated with uh, applications to apply for this small business loan, you know, these PPP funds. And really the I think most people were applying, as, as you know now, because there was a part of this PPP loan that was going to be forgivable and, and maybe even all of it forgivable. And so, you know, assuming that you uh, were to use the funds primarily for payroll to protect paychecks, like was the intent, you could also use it for rent and some utilities, but it was really there to 
keep your people working and uh, keep them having a paycheck. And so we saw the problem that was existing in, in the, the market and in uh, the United States. Then we started hearing about it from our financial institutions. And, and we thought, you know what, this is a, a good opportunity for us to really fulfill our mission as a company to empower the world to be financially strong. You know, having a, having a paycheck and protecting paychecks, I think is a, is, is really important. Uh, and then also helping those small business owners. So it met the mission. And then two, you know, our clients are primarily banks and credit unions. So we could also help them at the same time. Yeah. We have a little over 2000 banks and credit unions on our platform today. And, uh, you know, anything we can do to help them, uh, we are definitely game to jump in on. And, uh, it was kind of interesting because when the SBA first launched the PPP program, it was all manual data entry. There's no sense of automation. Uh, and that's kind of funny when you think about the, you know, the millions of Americans who needed immediate relief for their businesses, which have, you know, typically at most 20 days of cash in the bank. And so we had, you know, of our pool of institutions who are asking us questions about if we're going to do anything, they, they said our, our initial problem is that we have tens of thousands of applications for our customers and we have three employees at the bank who can submit these loans for approval. And so it just became this overburden their loan team to get these approved in a timely manner. And on top of that, uh, the SBA was constantly changing the application. So what was on paper was not what actually reflected on the website, which meant you know a lot of phone calls at strange hours, calling these people uh, who are applying, these applicants for these loans, uh, saying, hey, we need this other additional information. How fast can you get it to me? Um, and so it was, you know, 30 minutes plus to get this loan from paper on the desk of a loan officer to approved by the SBA. It was very painful. So they reached out to us to see what we could do to help automate that process. How did you guys choose Heroku for this and and what value do you think it brought to the table? Early on when we decided we were looking at the the problem it was actually a Friday afternoon when we got on the phone with a particular financial institution that was talking about this problem and they had this backlog of applications that they needed to submit and the the word kind of in the the you know the back room if you will was that these PPP funds were going to run out extremely quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we're talking to this financial institution. We understand the magnitude of the problem. And we know we basically have a weekend to get a solution up. You know, there's a there's a handful of us on a Friday afternoon. We're like, okay, well, we're, we're working all night uh, for the weekend. And we need to get something up Monday morning so we can start processing these loans in some type of a automated fashion and, and, really help these people before uh, the funds are gone. And so when you start looking at what you need to do to innovate rapidly, and we start choosing technology stacks, both on the software side uh, and the the hardware side, you know, you can uh, build a Rails app, push it to Heroku in a matter of minutes, and you you can scale it the way that you need to scale it pretty quickly. And with the whole marketplace of add ons, it became really easy when we needed to do asynchronous processing. It's just like we can add a Redis server, right? We can, uh, mm-hmm. we can scale up databases. And there, there's a lot of stuff there that ultimately when we decided, hey, do we need to do this from, you know, roll our own? Or if we could look to uh, a platform, you know, this platform as a service concept that Heroku has, it was really it, for quick iteration, quick innovation and getting something 
to market very quickly that is absolutely critical, it was seemed like a no brainer decision to me. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, at MX, we don't typically use a, a cloud solution because we'll have, uh, you know, PII data and, and we have to essentially make our entire production environment a PCI zone. Um, yeah. So in order to push new features, it has to meet all these security requirements. And so we we're used to looking, you know, at, at products, any anything we're going to use outside of our ecosystem with uh, those, those security eyeballs. And so that was one of the first concerns with um, like looking for a place to push it. We're like, okay, we know we can probably make AWS work because there's plenty of startups who've been able to achieve that. And then honestly, we we looked at uh, the due dil like doing due diligence. Um, we saw all of the compliance that Heroku had, and we said, is this enough to you know an, enough of a security story to get this product live? And we found out it was, and we were able to conduct um, audits. Uh, some things like you know encryption at rest with Postgres was was very valuable, and and then on top of that, the the you know, every any engineer who has to work with Terraform plus AWS knows you're going to have 15 plus files of of boilerplate just to get a hello world across a load balancer. And uh, for us, just to say, hey, let's add a we're doing a Rails app. Also, we need you know Image Magic and we need a Chrome Web Driver. Go. So you guys are using Terraform plus Heroku. So you're using Terraform to manage Heroku. Yeah. So we're actually using Terraform to manage Heroku as we bring institutions on. It's it's just really easy to. You know, add another um, another plugin in Heroku and and uh, share the the code that provisions the environment. And it's only a matter of minutes to take a client from you know phone calls to live in production. And I think that's important because you know you think of a going again taking something to market quickly. And if we had to build this, you know, we, there's a couple challenges that exist. One, the multi tenant nature of of a solution and having to build that in and manage that. Uh, and then we have isolation of data. And so we have one institution that doesn't want to share, uh, you know, mingle their data in a, a, a database with another institution. And so we were able to actually build it in a very simple way that kept everything, you know, each, each institution isolated with their own application servers and web servers, uh, as well as database servers. But using Terraform with Heroku, with Garrett's work that he did, it was really amazing. You know, a new institution wanted to come on. Uh, you know, we added a couple configuration uh, settings into Terraform and they were spun up and running, you know, extremely quick. And, and I just, I don't think we could have done it as fast as we did and responded as quick as we did if we didn't have, uh, you know, this solution that we chose with uh, Terraform and Heroku and, and some of these other technologies. Tell me about um, what, what, what Heroku products are you guys using? I'm assuming you're probably using Shield, uh, Private spaces, that sort of thing. Could you could you let me know what you're what you're using? Is that safe to talk about? Uh, yeah. So we we were initially looking at at Shield rolling rolling that out, um, especially because you can get some kind of added safety blankets with Shield. We ended up not needing it. Uh, the okay. way we rolled this product out was, you know, we tried to treat it like a startup and like what is the minimum path you need to get to production. So we, we spun up just on the standard Heroku plan, um, and then we had a, a third-party uh, security auditor come in and, and conduct a series of, of uh, penetration tests against our instances to make sure we weren't doing anything silly. Um, mm -hmm. Once we got those audits back, we presented them to our customers we were working with, and uh, they passed it by their security and their legal team, and they said, this, this passes. This is exactly what we need to get up and running. So that's what we went with. I think if we were doing this long-term, we would definitely evaluate 
something like Shield, but the nature of this product is spin it up quickly, be very effective. And then, you know, when, when we're done and, and, you know, this COVID situation is resolving itself, shut it down. So tell me a little bit about your, your open source contributions. I, I, I see here that um, you guys built out the Terraform to connect the uh, API, the SBA API directly, then you open sourced it. Yeah, so one of the big things was this pro- with this project was we didn't want to be you know a gateway where pay us money to get loans approved. That's that's not what we wanted to do at all. And so mm-hmm. we said, look, the, the software is free and you can pay for hosting and support. And I thought that was like such a brilliant way to to build this, right? Because there are so many partner vendors who've reached out to us saying, look, we need something. We we might not even deploy this code, but we need an example of of how to work with the SBA's website. We said, great, look at our code, please please use it. And we've had mm-hmm. individuals who said, look, Heroku, um, even though with, like, with something like Shield, it's just not gonna pass our legal team where we still don't believe in cloud that scares us, but we do have infrastructure. Can we please run it on our own? We said, great, here's the source code. Well, we update it all the time. And that became a, you know, a really common uh, thread. So anyone who wanted access to our software has total free access to it. It's it's a private repo due to the nature of you know SBA documentation, but mm-hmm. it's it's source that's available for anybody who wants a copy. And I think that's important because you know you look at the problem and there there honestly before us there were some uh, companies I probably can't name them, but they were going out and really taking advantage of the opportunity and saying, well, hey, look, we're going to build something and we're going to charge you enterprise type pricing for this, and they really in my opinion, we're, we're gouging. But if you look at from a technology, like history, all of the wonderful technology that we get to use because people decided to open source the technology, uh, right? And everything from the servers that it's running on, the databases that are run, this is running, the web application uh, stack, uh, we used Rails and, and uh, the Ruby programming language. Like there's this whole beautiful history of open source software. And so, uh, you know, when we look at what we can do to to help out in some way, we thought at a minimum we should open source our solution and just try to help out with uh, all these small businesses that need that need assistance. And really, the banks are the the primary uh, people that need assistance with this. And and uh, just even having the the technology to spin this up really quick, have them up and running in thirty minutes to an hour. You know, we we did a. Uh, if you were to look at the whole technology stack, we did a fraction of what it took, and so it's a huge thanks to the whole open source community for deciding to open source technology, and we're a huge believer in being able to do that. So it's been pretty special. Same same boat as you. Absolutely love the open source community, and I'm so thankful for all the work of all the people that that do. And I love to hear people that give back to it because I mean, in my mind, that's really what open source is. It's not just, you know, using Linux and all of that. It's, it's giving back to that community. It's giving back to the the world itself and making the world a better place than you left it. One thing that's goes along with open source is, is we're often just giving our, our own free time to make software better and to enable companies, you know, stand on our shoulders and, and propel themselves forward. And that's kind of a philosophy we adopt for this project because the first institutions that stepped forward and asked for help, we said, look, let's just do this together. We're not going to focus on, you know, we'll do it for the sake of partnership and for the sake of, you know, we are nerds. And for the first time ever, nerds get to be superheroes, like for a brief moment. So 
let's put on our capes and, and just knock this thing out. Um, so we were working, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, just like through the weekend, long hours trying to bust this thing out. And to the point where we're putting so many hours in that, like, I don't care if there's you know, what the sales commission could ever be on a product like full enterprise grade. It's just not worth it. What we're doing it for is those people who need a paycheck to pay their bills. And, and like, that's constantly what we're reminding ourselves of. Every meeting we said, look, why are we doing this? We're, do, we're spending these long hours to help those who, you know, who, who, who don't have right now. Uh, because this is the skill set that we as a nation need in order to uh, lift one another up. That's kind of the, the whole open source philosophy applied to this project, why this project was free for anyone who wanted to use it. You know, there's no product manager who can say, please work that much time on this. We just we wanted to do it for those who need it. And we wanted to make it available for those who need it. If you had to estimate, how long do you think it took from idea to production? Yeah, so I, I would say we started, uh, you know, on a Friday afternoon, worked all weekend. The first cut of it we put up on a Monday morning. And as anyone who's written software knows, you put up the first cut and then like the work yeah. begins. <laughs> so, you know, we, we put that up and we started submitting these loans into the SBA system. And the, the first approach we actually had to take was, using some robotic process automation. So, you know, we're, we're logging into the website, we're imitating a user, we're filling out these forms, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, that first weekend was, was really critical. And then from there, it was just iterating on uh, making sure that the, the software was submitting right. And then later, we, we started working with the SBA. They heard about what we were doing. They saw the traffic that we were sending, the, the volume that we were doing. And they reached out and said, hey, look, we, we're working on an API uh, we need to work with some some partners like you that are technology focused, that can innovate rapidly, that can make changes as, as we make changes. We see how fast you're able to uh, get something up and running with this, uh, uh, you know, this RPA style system. Uh, and so we started working with them on the API and uh, got API access really quick. Gave um, you know I, when we heard about it, you did the API integration, so maybe you can talk about that. Yeah. Well, before we Let's let's come back to that for a second because what was crazy is the for people who don't really know the PPP came in two waves. The first tranche of money ran out in about two weeks, a little less than two weeks, mm-hmm. and so you can imagine the, the tranche opens like that week, and then Friday, you know, we're just hanging out, and then it's like boom, let's start building. We start building Monday, we we release maybe by. Wednesday or Thursday, we're very consistently submitting applications to the SBA. Uh, and then that's, you can tell other people had a similar mindset to, you know, using a Chrome web driver to try submitting these applications. Uh, we start seeing the the website more consistently fail, right? I mean, you'd hit these timeouts, these Oracle. The website being the SBA. The SBA's website, website fail um, as more people started trying to write these web drivers. And then the money ran out and they closed the doors uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, and so we thought we didn't know what was going to happen next, but um, we took that time to, you know, dust off a little bit of the software and kind of start asking phone calls of like with the SBA, with partners, ask, Hey, what, how much, how many loans were you able to clear? What's left for you? And, and we heard a number of them say, Hey, we didn't even get our forms out to people until the day they closed. Right. I think we've had this week of like, we hear there's some rumble that there might be a second wave of finances coming. And it's in this week that we were able to finally get on the phone with the SBA. And that's where they said, hey, look, 
we want to greenlight you as fast as possible. We know that you have integrated with a number of financial institutions um, and you can help, you know, push their loans through. So they were amazing. They're, they had some, uh, some partners working with them. We met them on a Thursday. And uh, if you know, like banking or, you know, uh, government, the uh, fast turnaround is, is typically it's, it never happens. And, yeah. and here we have a meeting on a Thursday where we're honestly expecting, okay, we'll put you in the queue in three weeks. We'll send you some auto reports and we'll get you this paperwork to fill out and come back to us. That's that very slow turn is how these deals typically build. Yep. They said, okay, unfortunately our testing website's down, but we might be able to create users for you on our side. And later tonight, it's hopefully going to be back in uh, working order. And tomorrow, let's get on the phone again to try to give you a test test request to like show you how to submit the loans through our API. And then wow. we'll greenlight you. We'll give you production access. We're like, are you serious? That's how fast they were. And uh, because their test site was down and they had just opened up a second tranche, Congress had just approved it. Uh, we knew we had to act quickly. So we had a bunch of us just trying to reverse engineer the test site to like figure out this, the, their SOAP uh, Eland API to get these uh, loans submitted. And then we, we emailed them back in the middle of the night and said, hey, we, we think we got this figured out and expecting maybe a little bit of like, hey, don't please don't do that. But also like, okay, we'll talk about it tomorrow. They just CC'd us directly with the SBA people said they're good for production. Thanks guys. Like <laughs> they were amazing. Um, but that gave us access to their test uh, test API. And like 12 hours later, people started load testing on their test environment. So you know things are going to be crazy when the floodgates open Monday morning. But as a result of the load testing, they shut off the whole API. So we were pretty much, we had, we had access, we had some documentation, and then we had a weekend with no test environment. Uh, so that was pretty stressful, but um, we were able to code to it the best we could. And then Monday morning, we thought, hey, we still have this web driver that works really well. So we'll go live with that Monday. Um, and then like 10 a.m., Monday rolls around and the site is completely dead. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's hitting it as hard as they can. Uh, this is when the second tranche is finally live. Their site is completely unresponsive. Uh, and so we start switching back to our direct connect with the SBA and we're able to get maybe one in a thousand loans through. It's just so slow. And then we found bugs and we're iterating on it. But it was an amazing experience to just work with the team and help iterate slowly and fix one bug, put up a pull request, merge it, push it up, and then hit the, you know, the, the Heroku auto deploy runs out and get the next batch of errors popping up and, and stomp them. Um, and then eventually the SBA said, hey, uh, we're, we see that enough of this, a bunch of the traffic is coming from web drivers. And we're going to ban all web drivers. But fortunately, we had our direct connect from a couple of days prior. And we were able to stay live and continue processing loans. And And that's when we really started kicking into gear. And we were able to process thousands and thousands of loans for these institutions. And it was, you know, staying up until 5 a.m., sleeping two hours and getting back up and going until you, you die. But it's what we needed to do to get it done. And we did. So what do you think the impact has been? Um, do you have any metrics you can share? Yeah, so we're you know looking at uh, the total volume. We look at the the amount of money that's been able to get distributed out to small businesses across uh, the United States, and so we're approaching right at the five billion dollar uh, mark on what's been processed through uh, our system, and then uh, that's just us directly. 
the open source portion of this uh, has continued to expand out and other institutions have, have put this and they've rolled out their, uh, they, they, they're doing their own version of our, our software and processing the loans that way. So we don't have a lot of uh, insight into those numbers because they're private. But from what we've done, you know, right up about $5 billion of, of loans processed and distributed out to small businesses. That's amazing. That is really amazing. I'm sure that there were lots of uh, jobs saved and, and businesses that were able to continue to stay afloat because of, because of the hard work you guys put in. Yeah. And we don't, we can't really talk too much about the number of jobs, but it was definitely in the uh, 10,000 to a hundred thousand range of, of, of jobs. You know, again, that's like the most satisfying thing to take away from, from my perspective. You know, I'm just, I'm just coding on this project and working on a rails app. You know, it's like everyone on Hacker News says I could do that in a weekend. Well, here we are doing it in a weekend. And, uh, and it's, you know, the impact is not just people, but it's people where it matters right? It's yeah. their paycheck. It's their lights in their, in their home and it's their family food on the table. Like that is the most meaningful thing that, you know, I, as a software engineer can give back to people, but it's funny to me still how just a little bit of code, a little bit of Ruby code turns into um, a normal life for, for somebody, maybe just, maybe not totally normal in this strange time, but close enough. Anything you would like to add um, before we close up? You know, there, there's one thing I've, I've been thinking about as we've been talking, uh, and it's a, it's an idea that I originally heard from Steve Jobs, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but it was this idea that your world, your whole worldview changes as soon as you realize that the world was created by people that are that are no smarter uh, than you are. They just went out and just they decided to do something. And they made it happen. And everything we see around us is a result of uh, people who just believed in themselves and went out and, and made it happen. And, and you know, I, I've been in situations where you hear stories or maybe for those that are listening to the podcast, they're really like, man, you know, that's a, that's a great story. And it's really cool how, you know, these people are able to help out or, or whatnot. But really, I think, uh, you know, as, as Garrett was saying, like early on in the podcast is that when you have the ability to create, like we have the ability to, as technologists, you know, uh, all together in this, and you can write code and you can you can come up with ideas and you can create solutions that solve problems that exist in the world. It's it's really amazing. And but I think a lot of it is just you know believing in yourself and finding when that opportunity comes, like taking advantage of it. You know, it. Uh, you talk to anybody that worked on the program, the, this project. You know, it was, I think you can hear it from Gary, it was a lot of hard work, but uh, it's worth it. And, and the team did an amazing job. The motivation the team had, the, just the intrinsic reward that the team had from doing all this was was awesome. And so uh, I, I think we can all, uh, in whatever way we can, pay it forward. And that can be, a, it can be a pull request on an open source project, right? It can be whatever, uh, but just do something to give back. And that's just one kind of what was going through my head as we were thinking about this, that I think everybody has the opportunity or can find the opportunity to, or look for an opportunity to help, help someone out and pay it forward. Thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you for sharing uh, this amazing story, uh, Garrett and Brett, and thank you for what you guys have done to help out the, the world as a whole and our country and our community and, and the open source movement. 
Um, we're super excited that you were able to build this on Heroku, and um, I'm glad that we were able to have some small part in, in, in helping you get this project across the line. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you having us on. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.